0: For young stoners, the podcast where we pair classic and cult cinema with the right strain of cannabis to enhance your trip through movie history. This week, we are joined by Floyd Webb of the Blackness Network as we blast off into outer space with Top of the Heap, an hallucinatory hybrid of exploitation and afrofuturism from 1972. Followed by a dose of Anglo-futurist nonsense in Queen of Outer Space with Zsa Zsa Gabor. That's all right here on Episode 9 of Old Movies for Young Stoners. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Anglo-futurism, that's, that's, yeah. that's funny. It might, it
0: yeah. might actually, with Zsa, Zsa it might actually be Austro-Hungarian no, no. Futurism. That's right,
2: Austro-Hungarian Futurism, that's Zsa. Yeah, She was every bit of it, too. Oh, yeah. She was every bit.
0: Okay, the theme song fades in and out again, and then I'm talking again, so here we go. And here we are, back again. Because of my bright idea to tape this episode during a holiday weekend, we are down to a few people, a skeleton crew. Imagine that! Felina Franklin is on assignment, and Corey Sklar is hosting the virtual live stream of the Mosswood Meltdown in Oakland this weekend, where he'll be hobnobbing with John Waters and Bikini Kill. But Corey is here in spirit, folks, meaning he's handling the audio editing. Thanks, Corey. Thank you, Corey. Yeah. Thanks, Corey. So that leaves me, your Monster of Ceremonies, Bob (laughs) Calhoun and Greg Franklin of Six Point Harness. How's it going, Greg?
1: It's going great, Bob. Um, Happy to uh, fill in and keep the lights on while all the youngins are are out having the summer of uh, their lifetimes.
0: Yes. The summer of their lifetimes in this country that doesn't even think they're human beings. No, no, far from it. Far from it. Yeah. So enjoy <laughs> enjoy FDA regulations while you can, kids. It's you know, if you're going to eat a hot dog, it's nice to know that it's probably not poisoned. You know, enjoy the, yeah. enjoy that. <laughs> Drink, drink some water. Drink some water that doesn't have strontium-90 in it. Although, you know, there's parts of the country where it always has had strontium-90 in it.
2: And Get lots of sunscreen, y'all. Yeah,
0: get lots of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, that, that's our special guest today, Floyd Webb. Uh, let me introduce him. We're really happy to have him uh, for so many reasons um he's the founder and curator of blackness tv that is b-l-a-c-k-n-u-s-s it's a streaming service focused on black independent filmmakers from around the world Um, back in 1982 floyd founded chicago's influential blacklight cinema film fest and programmed it through 1996 plus he's an associate producer of julie dash's daughters of the dust so you can say that floyd has influenced beyonce he doesn't partake <laughs> in the herb these days but he's known to microdose
2: it's... Hey, hey I've influenced I've influenced beyonce twice twice yeah because yeah because I was close friends with uh, with uh, Javrel Diab mambetti and that picture of him on a motorcycle with the horns
0: the ah. motorcycle
2: with the horns that's from his film tukibuki
0: oh yeah you were involved which in is
2: the famous you were involved... I, no I wasn't no I was working with uh, with uh, I was working with uh, Jabril Japmambeti at the same time I was working with uh, Julie Dash. Actually, I chose to work on her film instead of going and working on his film.
0: Oh, yeah, both so, yeah. both are like both are mm-hmm. movies for stoners too. Both are, are trippy as fuck.
2: Oh you. yeah, you gotta see *Hyenas*. *Hyenas* is a film to definitely watch, right? <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, so, where's the,
1: where can we where can we find that film?
2: Hyenas. You know what, go on to uh, I think it's on Criterion actually. Oh, yeah. No <laughs> H Y yeah, yeah. H-y-n-e-s. H-y-n-e- oh. H-y-n-e-s. right. Oh right, fantastic. In, right, yeah. Yeah. That's a crazy surrealistic kind of a movie based on a uh mm-hmm. play about this woman who uh, who uh, who uh, gets uh, who gets pregnant and these people conspire to accuse her of being a whore and she gets kicked out of town. She comes back like 20 years later, a millionaire, and offers to give the film a million dollars if they'll kill the guy who <laughs> set her up to be thrown out of town.
1: Wow, it's, that's, yeah. wow, that's amazing.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it is, I mean, it is, I mean, you have to see it, because you realize, we're not gonna do this, we're not gonna do this, and then they start thinking about it, right? mm. <laughs> So anyway, yeah. But anyway, I just thought I'd throw it in, you know, because, uh, that's, we, that in. That's had, awesome. We've had yeah. double influence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Less is yes. more today, because I think today with you, Floyd, I mean, mm-hmm. I've had like phone calls with you that went on like an hour mm-hmm. or longer yeah. than an hour where we, about, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. where we talked about like Sammy Davis Jr. Having Earth, Wind, and Fire open for him in Vegas, and then we talked about Frank Zappa and Spike Lee and Julie Dash and all this yeah. stuff. And then after, there was one phone call I had where we just talked about all this stuff and politics and film. And then, like when we were like finally saying about guys, you were like, "We should have recorded that for a podcast."
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: it just went in so many different tangents. I mm-hmm. think Steve Allen yeah. was brought up, like which, w- oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Steve Allen and Zappa.
0: Yeah, we had the clip of Zappa on Steve Allen in our last episode, in the Elvis episode.
2: Go,
0: yeah. So, so tell us about Blackness. It's a it's a network and it's also a TV streamer. It's,
2: yeah, we're a network. We we do uh, we do a, a, a screening program, uh, which I use to actually uh, promote the channel because I, because a lot of these films you won't see. Normally, you know, like these are these aren't in the popular, you know, it's the, it's not part of pop culture, but they exist sort of on the periphery of pop culture, you know. It's like uh, you know, it's like Tukibuki was was out, out there for years. Tukibuki was one won, uh won the uh, audience award at Cannes Film Festival back in 1972, and it, and the film was kind of suppressed from that point because it was a film that stepped outside of. You know what people determined uh, African films should be, which was village films about, uh, you know, about the uh, pastoral, uh, about issues in the countryside, and, uh, uh, and uh, Mambeti decided to do a film that was sort of, a, a sort of a influenced by the French New Wave, you know, and um, you know, boy meets girl, boy on a motorcycle. You know, uh, trying to escape their environment. You know, trying to leave the country and go to the mother country. You know, it was you know, very, very interesting. And 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 he used so much surrealism inside of this thing. You know, you know, he's he's got like a white Tarzan character that appears in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you would you you would have have to see this. You know, so. no uh,
0: uh, I have. So, I've yeah. watched mm-hmm. it on TCM. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a movie that straddles. Oh, you you
2: did see it? yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a
0: movie that straddles TCM because they could show it on the underground or they could show it on their international film nights on Sunday. It could go. Yeah. In, it's so weird. It could go yeah. in either place.
2: Yeah, and thanks to Martin Scorsese, he's actually uh, he's been restoring a lot of these films and putting them out there. You know, so so I want to I want to thank him personally for that.
0: So so Tukibuki, I know it's available on Criterion or it was for yeah. a while. Is it also available in mm. Blackness?
2: Not yet. Oh. Not yet. We're yeah, yeah, we're having to uh, you know, we're having to to uh, navigate some things because I'm not in pop like I'm not part of pop culture, so I have to go you know, I gotta do things on an underground way. now, But legal. You know, and so. and
1: Tukibuki is that's T U K
0: I?
2: No, T O U K I. T O U K I T O U K I. Yeah. Got it.
0: Yeah, it's a, yeah, it is a weird, it's it's probably, it's a weirder film than I think Top of the Heap, which is the one we're talking about today.
2: Um, yeah, I think they're about equal. Okay. I think they're about equal. <laughs> I think, you know, I mean, the only thing he doesn't have is astronauts in, in, in Blue. Yeah, yeah,
0: there <laughs> and, uh, is a, like kind of Tarzan kind of riffs in, in Top of right, the Heap, which we'll right. get to in a little bit. But you've also yeah. got uh-huh. a movie on uh, Blackness called Treasure of the Ninja.
2: Treasure of the Ninja. Yes, that's my buddy William Lee. William, William when I met William, William had been making Super 8 kung fu films and dubbing them manually. And he mm. sent them to Hong Kong and they couldn't believe they said, wait a minute, these were made and these were made in, in Columbus, Ohio. Wow. William is the only person that I knew who could find a hundred ninjas in the middle of in, <laughs> in the middle of Ohio. <laughs> scene seeing the film, right? Where the, where the guy's standing in the field and a hundred ninjas pop up, man. I'm like, what the? <laughs> you know, it's and, and he's and he's he's made about thirty. William Lee is still making films. Matter of fact, you should get him, you should get William Lee on here. <laughs> William is still making films. He's just 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 made a new film, but he's been making these martial arts kung fu. He started out doing traditional uh, uh, kung fu films back back in back in the early '80s. or I'm sorry, back in the late '70s. Mm. And he's continued, you know, uh, he's gone from Super 8 to making 35mm films.
1: Yeah. That is awesome. So, yeah. yeah. And so uh, he's on William He's Lee, on, on Blackness, yeah. William Lee, and he's on, right, on uh, right, right. What, yeah. and what's his film again? Uh, That's treasure, on Blackness, of ninja. Tre- treasure
2: of the Ninja. Treasure yeah, of, the ninja. of the Ninja. I'm yeah. writing all these treasure down. The this is, this is an
1: yeah. th- amazing treasure yeah. probe of...
0: Yeah, God, we we need to just have we need to definitely have another uh, Floyd episode with Tuki Bookie, which it might be, which is from the seventies. We try to keep it from pre nineteen pre nineteen seventy, but I mean, if it's that obscure, or, or you know, at least yeah, we should we should just do it, which is kind of what we're doing with Top of the Heap today. It's also be. It's also because you know if we hold too hard to pre nineteen seventy, it's going to be pretty pale in these film selections here. We aren't really going to have a lot of uh, black, f- black uh, films, African films, or or uh, African American films, or Asian American films, or Asian films. Yeah, and, and
2: yeah. You know, I've been trying to find uh, Melvin Van Peebles' first film, mm. right? Uh, which was made, I think, in was it fifty nine? I think it was fifty nine. Right? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that was a film he made when he, uh, yeah, he had, had made a film when he was living in San Francisco working as a uh, streetcar street operator. Oh,
0: he worked for Muni? Yeah. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> yes. I should, I should just know that I should, that should just be like knowledge that comes out of my pores up here.
2: Yeah. There's, there, there's a photographer, real famous photographer in San Francisco who shot him and Mario and his mom they did, did like a, a nude a nude portrait of him while he was working. She met him while he was you know, while he was he was a street corporator and got him to pose with his family. It's online, the picture's online. Just look up Melvin Van Fegel's nude family. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's Mario, wait, wait, wait. But it's Mario, so yeah, yeah. but 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 it's Mario. I I was t- you know, it, next next time I talk talk to Mario, says Mario, be, be nice to me because I got that picture, and I'll text <laughs> it to you. <laughs> no more Highlander four for you, Mario. Once these pictures get out, <laughs> he, Mario has become such a great guy, man. He is such he is he is so much like his father now. He's got that same spirit mm-hmm. now. You know, back in the Highlander days, not so much. <laughs> but you with know, age comes wisdom, and he's a real, mm. you know, real family guy, real like warm, you know, warm guy. You know, like I said, so more like his dad. You know, I, I, I was talking to uh, Mario one time. I mean, to uh, Melvin one time, and I said, "Man," I said, "Mario is a little bit kind of, you know, kind of like Hollywoody." And he said, "Floyd, let me tell you something. Fame makes crack look like baby powder."
1: <laughs> Wow.
0: Words of wisdom. Hey, everybody. We've been getting a little bit of buzz on the internets lately, and, you know, people are writing in. People are responding to the show. Uh, First, HP Mendoza, writer and star of Colma the Musical, is following us on Twitter. Uh, You know, that's a real big Criterion Channel star right now. Colma is on the Criterion Channel. Thanks, HP. And uh, we've also got Will McKinley. He writes for various broadcast networks such as GetTV. He's retweeted our Elvis episode and a few others, and he's always writing it with encouragement of the show. Um, he is now featured alongside Dick Cavett Cabot, and Anthony Zerbe you know, from The Omega Man in the documentary Dark Shadows. And beyond the Jonathan Frid story, which is now up for a daytime Emmy. So, congrats, Will. You can watch Dark Shadows and Beyond, it's currently streaming on Freebie. And also, Chrissy, aka Rather Gauche on Twitter and Instagram, says, Old Movies for Young Stoners is Itchy Bond, which is game and ease for the best, quote unquote. Uh, Thanks, Chrissy. She follows us on both Twitter and Instagram. So if you want to be like Chrissy, if you want to be like Rather Ghosh, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Old Movies for Young Stoners, just spell it all out. Things get a bit more complicated on Twitter where you can follow us at OM4Ystoners. That's OM4Ystoners. number And if you own that smoke shop next to the IHOP in Daily City or you work in marketing at Tubi or Crackle, you can buy ads on this podcast right now for next to nothing. Please contact us at oldmoviesforyoungstoners at gmail.com. You can even drive by my house and toss a handful of quarters into my driveway and I'll read your copy on this podcast. We're that desperate, folks. That's oldmoviesforyoungstoners at gmail. Top of the Heat, written by
3: and starring Christopher St. John. Uh Uh-uh, ain't gonna be no days like that. You're gonna have to shoot me right in my face, Mr. Black P. When a black man bears his soul and tells his story, he lets it all hang out. His rage was the illness of the times. I just got back from a trip to the moon! Hassled by his soul brothers with his mother dying, he can only escape to the moon.
0: In 1972, the suits at the Fanfare Corporation were expecting a run-of-the-mill black exploitation flick with jive-talking pimps and vengeance-seeking hookers, when instead, producer, writer, director Christopher St. John gave them this hallucinatory drama where he stars as George Latimer, a black beat cop in Washington, D.C., who lapses into reoccurring dreams of space travel. However, even his vivid interstellar fantasies are no escape from real life anxieties." His badge makes him a pariah in his own community and earns him no respect from his white co-workers. His marriage is falling apart and things aren't going that much better with his lounge singer girlfriend. And if that wasn't enough to cause a break with reality, his teenage daughter is doing drugs and he is avoiding his mother's funeral in Alabama. Lost for decades, but now streaming on Blackness TV, this is Top of the Heap um floyd you have kind of a long history with this movie or you have a you know you you were searching for it for a while so why don't you tell us about your connection to yeah. top of the Heap?
2: well i um i was friends with a, a documentary filmmaker by the name of saint Clair Bourne. and uh saint Clair was a, you know he was he was he was a real su- supporter you know like i, I met him uh, he, he'd come to Chicago to do uh, some documentaries on the blues for CBS. Uh, CBS used to have a documentary division, so he came here to make this thing called Big City Blues. And uh, I met him at another screening of his, and we got to talking. And um, uh, he came down to see a film that I was that I had shot, you know, and um, and kind of adopted me. So they kind of pulled me into that New York film circle. So I was. So to go to St. Clair's house was to be around people like uh, like Bill Gunn would stop by the house, Melvin would stop by on his five mile runs, you know, um, uh, who else was, yeah, uh, oh, um, Amiri Baraka was around there, you, you know, every year he had a party and all these people tur- turned up, you know, all of the, all of the documentary filmmakers and, and like journalists, and so St. Clair kind of pulled me into that world because St. Clair also had this like um, this newsletter, right uh, before you know, before community newsletters uh, were even popular, it was called uh, Chamba Notes, and it was about black black films. It was, it was about black filmmaking, and he ran lists of like grants and scholarships and things, and you know who was working on what, who was going where, who who was in festivals. It was the only thing out there. It was this 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 like yellow, eight to twelve page uh, 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 sheet, you know eight 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 and a half, eleven, and he had this big table in his house, right. And um, when I told him that I was going to start this film festival he said you must find this one film, right. It's called Top of the Heap. It showed up in the theaters, it lasted about two weeks and then it disappeared and nobody could find it. Nobody could find the filmmaker, nobody could find the film. And that was in 1982, right. And every year that I started the festival, and wait, I even had a phone number. I even had a phone number for for, for uh Saint Cla- for, for uh for Chris Saint John, you know, and nobody ever answered the phone, right? And this went on all during the time that I I ran the Black Light Film Festival. Then I left the country. I was working with, with the Raindance Film Festival in London and the VFM Festival, and I worked at the Zanzibar Festival. And I came back to Chicago in two thousand, right? And ended up starting another program. And I started looking again when I was w- working for studio, studio Movie Grill. And w- we were doing um, m- monthly screenings under the, under the title uh, Black World Cinema. And, um, and then one day I saw this Christophe St. John. Somebody said, you ever heard of Christophe St. John? He might be related. He was on soap operas and so this, 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 mm. this young lady I know said, I bet they're related. So I contacted him on Facebook. And he replied, and that's how I got in touch with Chris. And that was back in twenty. That was back in two two thousand and ten. Wow.
4: Right?
2: Yeah. And uh, we showed the film. Uh, I got contacted because of Blacklight. Uh, uh, Theaster Gates had started mm-hmm. something in Chicago called the Black Cinema House, mm-hmm. and the and the and the uh, the white director of the Black Cinema House called me up first, apologizing for being white and. <laughs> He he had been doing research on black. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, wait, he says, well, Floyd, before you come down, I'd like you to know one thing. Uh, I'm white. And I was like, well, does your mom know? <laughs> you know, I said, if it's okay with your mom, it's okay with me, man. You know, so, <laughs> so, um, so, so we made an arrangement to show the film there and, um, we were supposed to bring him, we were supposed to actually bring him to, to Chicago. But as things go, uh, and as things go with these uh, highfalutin uh, super artists, you know, stuff just doesn't work out when it comes to that kind of stuff sometimes. They changed all, you know, they changed all the rules after we got the film in, and, and that's a whole other story, you know. With, uh, but yeah, so uh, that's when we finally caught up to Chris and uh, we showed the film. And from there, every, you know, lots of people found out about the film, and, and he started getting lots, lots of invitations around the world to like screen, screen the film. But um, he still never really got any recognition. Like, they mm-hmm. actually showed the film this past year at the Brooklyn Academy of, of uh, what was it, uh, Brooklyn Acad- Academy of Music. Mm-hmm. They had a two week screening. They got a review in the New York Times. Mm -hmm. And the guy who reviewed it in the New York Times, he didn't even write a review, he went back and he took the old review from when the film first opened back in 1972 and said pretty much the same stupid shit.
1: Oh man!
2: And they never contacted him. They didn't even know he was alive so they didn't make it. And he was Mm. the producer of the film. It's under his production company name. The film has turned up. On, uh, on, on Amazon Prime, right? Uh, it's now on, uh, it's, yeah, i got to ask him about this too. It's on Criterion, but none of these people knew that he was alive. And I'm like, how could, if they only Googled it, especially after 2008, if they had Googled his name in the film, there's an article that comes up about the film with me in it, in, in, in the Chicago Reader. You know, it's like, like a, a substantial uh, article. About that 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 film, you know. So, um, so yes. Yeah, so we've been, you know, we've been trying to help uh, help help Chris get the deserved recognition. And uh, because he's because he's in his 80s now, don't nobody want to know. I mean, you know, ageism is such an it's such an incredible thing. You know, he was deprived he was intentionally deprived of a career because the film went, went went to the Berlin Film Festival and it and it won like a. Uh, was 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 it an audience award? And it played in, in Europe for for a couple of weeks. But when he came back here, uh, he didn't tell anybody that he didn't tell his white producers that the film was in the Berlin Film Festival. And they said, we didn't want you to. We weren't trying to get you to make an art film. We just wanted you to get a make a film with a bunch of N words running around on the screen for ninety minutes. You're not supposed to make an art film, you know. And they and they disappeared the film after that. He lost control of the film. He lost control of the print, and um, and 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 he was ass out. But he didn't stop moving. He went on and started another film. And he went to India, and shot this film called Avatar, about this guru. Who's who's the guru? Um, that real popular guru back back in the 70s. Uh, uh, I think it was Rajneesh, and he went to he, he went to India and like lived at the compound and stuff, and took took his son took Christoph and his wife and he's trying to finish this film and like get 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 that out there now you know so um so yeah so that's the story in a nutshell yeah
0: yeah so you were trying to find it find top of the heap this goes back to the 80s really you were back to you know when the movie was only like 10 years old or 12 years old and you you know Mm because like i went back to to like you know basically to research my intro to you so i got everything Mm -hmm. right and I remembered reading those Chicago Reader articles. The interview with you, there was a, just q and A uh, Q&A with you, and then there was mm-hmm. the article on Top of the Heap. And I like had already programmed the film for this episode, and I remembered those articles, but didn't remember they were specifically about mm-hmm. Top of the Heap and your your relation to it. Uh, let's let's bring Greg in. Greg, uh, your thoughts on Top of the Heap? What you know? You I assume this is the first time you saw it. It
1: is the first time I've saw it. The first time I'd ever heard of it. Um, we can see it stoned. Of course that is the, the, the criteria of this <laughs> okay. podcast and uh-huh. uh, and you know to be completely transparent you know a lot of the movies that we've covered on this show I've I've if have not seen them I'm very familiar with them. This is one that was completely out of the blue to me and I watched it totally cold And I have to say that I freaking loved it. Um, It is exactly the kind of movie that I like, which is a a movie that combines uh, sort of ham-fisted genre and art and statement. I love when those two things combine, when you think you're watching um, a low-budget film that is going to have certain genre conventions to it, and it actually goes off into creative tangents and and venues you know I love movies like shot corridor and 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 films like that where you, you think you're watching something and it ends up being something much deeper much richer and shows a very unexpected level of of, of depth to it um, thought it was fascinating the whole the whole concept and i I remember I am a cartoonist and I was working on a show years ago with with um, with Wyatt Cenac, that was about a cop who busted some rappers and was crestfallen that they weren't uh, didn't live up to the gangster lifestyle that that they had purported. <laughs> and I thought that was a hilarious gimmick. And we were working on the show, and I, I kind of you know realized that um, it's like, hey, you know, I, I I suggested to him like, what if the cop is black? Th- it feels like it would maybe be. M- he would might be more disappointed in them if 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 they're fakers you know and 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 why it said uh are there black cops i don't know <laughs> like he did It's like do do they have any and uh, <laughs> which was hilarious but uh but yeah it's a fascinating thing to think about in the in the you know the 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 opportunities that are that are presented to black men especially at that time that that the opportunities are to maintain the 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 oppression the maintain the machine basically you know like that's that's one of the things that he dreams about which is escape the machine and you know by virtue of dreaming about being an astronaut he's he, it's more than the machine he's escaping it's the entire earth you know that that he's is that is the machine that he's trying to escape and it's really fascinating to uh to kind of connect these these dots and 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 watch this film and i just thought that it was a a fantastic film and i am super uh grateful floyd that you found this film and and brought to back to four because not only would I never have heard or seen
0: of it, but it doesn't sound like many other people would have either. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: Now, you know, uh, there's that scene, too, speaking of escaping the Earth, and, you know, the movie when, you know, the movie when, you know, he's, he and his, like, it's him and his partner like are both walking on the moon like it's his cop partner his white cop partner yeah and uh, you know and like they'll look at the earth and it's obviously this like fake globe like a kind of child's globe on a string it's like this guy you know it's it's obviously artifice Uh, but there's that scene where him and his partner are like it's one of those scenes where they're like cool with each other a little bit and they're in the car Mm -hmm. and they're just sitting there eating donuts and drinking coffee or whatever and they start talking about aliens coming to earth and they start yelling like don't come here. We've got Richard Nixon down here. <laughs> you know? like, like they're so telling good. the aliens not to come. Now, one thing that so interests Yeah, one thing that interests me about it is that it is shot it takes place in Washington D.C. And what's what's, you know, um, it's a very Washington D.C. movie that isn't like most Washington D.C. movies are like Watergate type movies where they're about like a political scandal and that's what they're about. But the uh, federal government or government work is so pervasive that uh, Latimer's fantasies still involve working for NASA. It's like he wants a better government job. He wants a job with the federal government Mm -hmm. instead of the local government.
2: it has got good benefits.
0: Right. (laughs) Because that's the only show in town in Washington, D.C. And it's like traditionally for African-Americans, that was one of the, you know, even going back to before the civil rights era, that was a place where Mm -hmm. African-Americans could get hired for, for, you know, white collar jobs, even, for...
2: Now, remember, now, right. now, for some, yeah, but so, for some more context on this, you know, the uh, astronaut job, they were the new cowboys. They were going into the new, you know, they were going into a new frontier, right? And, uh, and uh, a, real, a, a real serious context about this is when Kennedy became president, he appointed a black test pilot to be an astronaut, and he put him under Chuck Yeager, who from that point uh, proceeded to uh, refer to this young man, uh, Ed Ed Dwight Jr. Uh, yeah, uh, Ed Dwight was from like uh, was from uh, Missouri. His dad was a black baseball player. He was in the black black baseball leagues. He was a uh, he was a uh, uh, a uh, catcher in the league, right? And uh, and this kid dreamed of flying, right? He became a test pilot, you know. Even though he was only like five, six, five foot six, you know. I mean, he was like barely the height that it took to uh, to, to become a pilot. And he became a test pilot, and and, uh, and he was chosen to be appointed to uh, astronaut training under Chuck Yeager, who who, for, who referred to Dwight as Kennedy's N-word, right? Uh, they, they, you know, everybody said he wasn't qualified, that that he didn't have the experience. You know, and uh, he was he was actually drummed out of the astronaut corps when Kennedy was killed. You know, he told me on the phone, rather, I'm, like I talked talked talk to the guy on the phone. He told me that the day that Kennedy was killed, he was out to like make uh, make some hours. You know, because like test pilots have, have to make flight flight hours every 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 week, and they held him on the, they held him on the tarmac for 2 hours from the time that they heard that Kennedy got killed to the time that they heard he died when they heard he died they pulled him off the, they pulled him off of the uh, runway out of the plane and told him he was out of the program and then they offered him a job in Germany right now get this they offered him a job they were going to station him in Germany as head of the German space program they didn't have one <laughs> right uh-huh then when they d- then and then they offered him another job at the for the Canadian space program. They didn't have one. He eventually ended up uh, leaving le- leaving the Air Force when uh, when a black mechanic told him that somebody had come to him and asked him uh, uh, asked this mechanic would he be able to do something to make sure that the plane never came back. Oh. and when the, and when the kid told. Ed Dwight, this he, he thought he was joking, but Ed said that as he was pulling, as he got in the plane and he was letting the canopy run down, about to go to the runway, he looked back and saw this kid crying. He said, When the kid, when he saw the kid crying, he stopped the plane and got out of it and went right in and turned in his resignation, you know. Oh, and, man. Uh, and they and uh, and and it got really complicated from there because they still wanted to have a black astronaut. So what they did is, okay, but this wasn't time, right? So, so they had, so so they drummed him out, um, and but they had him write the qualifications for the next black astronaut, <laughs> and and Ed said he made it so that so that he had to be super, had to be super super Negro, right, and. Uh, and the funny part about this is the next guy that came along was from Chicago, lived on my block in Chicago on 23rd and State Street, grew up there. We went to the same elementary school. And he fit all of those qualifications. He was chosen to be an astronaut uh, and his, uh, his name was uh, Robert H. Lawrence, right? Robert H. Lawrence was brought into to the astronauts program in 1967, right? And um, and the week he was brought in, and it was all in the news, H. rap Brown was making a speech, and he said, he'll, he, he said they were going to lose him in space because they didn't want any black people in space. They, they were going to lose him. That was July 1967. December '67, he died in a plane crash, but he wasn't flying the plane. Mm. He was showing someone else he was showing someone else. Robert H. Lawrence did the math and perfected the uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, glide reentry for space shuttles. That's mm-hmm. what he was doing. That was his thing. He w- he was one who d- who did the math for you know because you know the space shuttle was like nothing but a but an aerodynamic brick, you know. Right. And uh, and and it and it was very difficult to fly and land this thing. And he was and he was showing his superior officer how this thing you know how this theory worked and. In the, and in the course of it happening and the uh, superior officer flying the plane it hit the, it hit the, it hit the runway, bounced up, and uh, it, it bounced twice. And when they were going back up um, the uh, superior officer hit the eject button. Well this F-107 is designed. To flip over because it's got two pilots. You know, a, a, you know the uh, co- co-pilot doesn't really really fly the plane, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the pilot ejects. Then it flips over, and it ejects the uh, the rear pilot directly down so that he doesn't crash into the pilot. You know, so that so that they don't so so that they don't collide, right? Right. Well, the plane was only like 300 feet off the ground. So it ejected him, ejected Robert H. Lawrence directly into the ground. You oh know, man! This is the first time, yeah. And this is a, and so it was really suspicious. Of course, oh, you know, he was a test pilot. Test pilots die all the time, you know, but he wasn't flying the plane, you know, and the, uh, mm. and so that, and and uh, his brother, his family, you know, I mean, it was. It was really ugly. I mean all the time he was, once he was chosen as an astronaut he, had, he got hate mail, he got death threats,
3: yeah.
2: You know because it was like they were, they were like, you know, it was, it was a place that black people weren't supposed to go. you know, And that was 67. And, and in January of 68, Rat Brown made another speech in which he mentions Robert H. Lawrence again and he says, I said that they would lose him, he didn't even get to make it in the space because that's how much hatred is in this country. Now, t- the people and black achievement.
0: Tell us who H. Rap Brown is, just in case actual young stoners oh, are listening. Was, yeah, H. <laughs> H. Rap Brown
2: was yeah. H. Rap Brown was a snick. He was he was he was in the Black Power movement. You know, uh, you know these people. You know, like there, there was a point where, you know, where there were uh, the younger people were tired of the movement of the, of the NAACP, and they became more politically astute and more better organized, and they were and they were working especially in the colleges, right? But but they were in, in, involved in in, in like uh, voting rights in Mississippi. So SNCC was down there registering people to vote. I, I mean, way back in the mid mid back in the uh, mid 50s. And so Rat, Rat Brown was uh, Rat Brown was part of that with uh, with Stokely Carmichael and, and So that's the Black Power movement. This is the Black Power. You know, it, it was like in the 60s. It was like H, uh, like N L A C P CORE, and SNCC. And after the death of Martin Luther King, it, w- it was the uh, Black Panther Party. But, during, but in between that, there was also the uh, Re- Revolutionary Action movement, which nobody knows about because they were really underground, you know And, uh, and a lot of I'm not going to say us, I'm going to say a lot of people were involved. And the good thing about the Revolutionary Action movement is all the, all the leadership of that group, after doing all of this effective work over 40 years, they all died in bed. You know, wow. so it pays. It pays to be underground.
0: Stay, stay underground. You, you don't. Stay underground. You don't get shot by Chicago police when you're in bed. You just die quietly yeah. in bed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like back to top of the heap uh mm-hmm. i do you know i'm actually kind of glad this when i was thinking about whether there was a point where greg and i were talking about well should we just cancel and i was like you know i think floyd floyd will sp- fill the space with lots of cr- lots of interesting stuff so i think oh. we should just i think oh, it's a yeah. little bit easier without without less is more of this episode uh, a lot mm-hmm. more but uh back to top okay. of the heap like um Mm-hmm. There's this chilling moment in it that I want to talk about before we get into the weed recommendations, the, the fantasy where he comes and he's on the parade uh, in mm-hmm. his hometown mm-hmm. and the streets are empty and it's really eerie. And he also has that scene with his mom. You know who who's passed away. So there's a like a dream sequence with his mom, and she's sitting in the, like she's mm-hmm. sitting in a chair like in the middle of the road in in their hometown in Alabama, and it's like almost like the scenes with uh, Father Karras' mom and The Exorcist. And I'm like, wow, those movies are both Washington D.C. movies that aren't <laughs> political <laughs> intrigue films. And it's just something in the air in 1972 about about this. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to talk about that because it's like as scary as anything in a George Romero movie. You know, and it, it takes you by surprise in the movie. It's a dark film, uh, you know, sometimes a bleak film, uh, mm-hmm. definitely by the end. But that scene, it's like all of a sudden becomes a horror film.
2: Yeah, well, let, let me tell you about the background to that, to that particular scene, right? This is one of the conversations he was having with a producer complaining about the type of film he was making. Right, mm-hmm. these these crazy scenes, you know, running through the brick wall, you know, that's not, you yeah. know, you know this thing with the mom. He said that the guy had come into his come into his trailer when they were preparing to shoot, this, shoot that scene, and basically tore him a new asshole. And they were going to fire him. They were going to do all of this stuff. They were, you know, they were doing everything they could to make him leave to make him quit. And he said that when he came out, he was devastated by this conversation he had, and when he was talking. And when he walked up and they started the scene as they were preparing the scene and he leaned over to the woman that was playing his mother, she was whispering into his ear because she had heard this thing and she was whispering, she says, don't you quit, don't you quit, don't let these people stop you, keep going, keep going. And it's like, and when you see that scene it's got a resonance that, and you don't know where the resonance is coming from, but when he told me that story about what had happened, you know, you really get all of that. Mm All of the spirit of that, you know, from from you know, that energy that she gave him just comes out, you know, with the little dance, you know, with the little sort of uh, uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know I don't know what to call the dance. It was it was sort of uh, almost a Haitian voodoo, Mm -hmm. right? Almost like something out of Haitian voodoo. If you've ever seen dance, uh, if 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 you've ever seen any of uh, uh, what is it? uh, um, What is Horse, horse, of the gods, or what, what was the thing? Maya Deren's films, right? If you've seen mm. any, any any of Maya Deren's films, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh, what is it? Oh, man, I can't can't remember. But anyway, my
1: my uh, of the afternoon.
2: No, well, he made messes of the afternoon. But the other one was uh, was uh, it, it was something of the god uh, horses of the gods. It, it was about the, the you know it, it's like you know the voodoo septic is a horse to to be ridden by the loa, right? And you get that feeling from that 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 uh, that scene. I mean, that's really it. stopped the whole movie. That that scene for, for me just stopped the whole movie. Right.
0: Yeah. Like all of a sudden, it kind of becomes ganja and Hess for a minute.
2: Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. You know, this you know, that deep deep spirituality just you know that it fit where you know you would think it would be out of place, but it fits so well. Because of the, the because of you know. Uh, uh, the turmoil mm-hmm. you know the turmoil he's like thrown into I mean yeah whole thing with like like being a cop you know being being a cop being a black cop you know you get it from the black community you get it from mm-hmm. the white cops you know and he's caught in the middle and of course he wants to escape
0: yeah well you the know, white and, cops right. try to kill him in the movie or you yeah. know in that bus yeah. scene it's like totally yeah. like you know how little changes
2: <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so th- I that know was, that was something. Yeah, that was that was something. But yeah, the mo- I mean, when he told me that story, when he told me that story, I mean, he just came out of nowhere, and he just told me. He says, "I never told you this before," you know, because we would talk period, period, periodically on the phone, and every now and then he kind of remembers something, and he just pops it out there. Like, wow, man, it's like, what are we gonna do with this, you know? And so anyway. Uh, yeah, no I was gonna
1: fine. I'm sorry I, I, I noticed that there were three scenes in the film in which white people are being racist and when confronted with the fact that he is indeed a cop are extremely apologetic mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. just like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and it happens you know one time it's like okay then it happens again. And then the third time with the with the um, the taxi driver guy, who's a great actor by the way, uh,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, he 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 in turn is just like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, <laughs> that 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 um, I just found it interesting, and 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 mm-hmm. I I thought it was it was you know maybe maybe one area where um, I was like, well, I don't remember. Whites being that apologetic about racism, <laughs> you know, like in no. the, in in and yeah. so in that in that one aspect of it. But then again, it was always the... it was the
2: 1970s. It was the early yeah. 70s, and it, and it was post and it was just post civil rights at that point. Yeah, you know, like like there was a there was, there was a different attitude for a lot of white people back then. You know, um, people were actually mm-hmm. questioning themselves in in a, in, a, in a whole lot of ways. And a cop was a symbol of authority, you know, and, um, and at least white citizenry would make way for like a black cop even though they might be disrespectful.
4: Mm-hmm. But the
2: cop, you know, but the taxi driver's got his, you know, he's got his, his whole medallion to worry about at that point, yeah. you know what I mean? He, of course, you know, he gets a ticket. You know, you know, you know. He gets too many tickets, so he gets written up and have to go to court. <laughs> you know, he could, he could, you know, he could lose his license. So of course, he's going to be apologetic. Yeah, it's not know, conscience. It's
0: just be. It's fear. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, this he's black, but he right. could still bust me or write me a ticket or hassle mm-hmm. me. He could, he mm-hmm. could pull me yeah. over every time he sees me with a broken tail light. You know.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's. It was. Yeah.
1: It was very interesting. But I noticed that that fear didn't stop them from being racist in the first place.
2: You know, yeah, like, yeah. It, it was... For a couple it was of minutes. For a couple <laughs> of minutes. <laughs> I mean, re, re, remember the cop, re, remember when he was on the bus, I mean, when he was ch- chasing the guy off the bus and yeah. the cop got him. You know, the cop wasn't that apologetic, really. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's like, yeah. it takes a, you know, it's like, they they want extra proof. You know, a lot of, a lot of times, right. they don't get the proof until after that first bullet. So, mm-hmm. it's like,
0: Followed by eighty bullets mm-hmm. now, you know, yeah, like right. eighty. Yeah. Like the yeah, guy's yeah, just yeah. driving an Uber and eighty bullets, yeah. you know. Right. What yeah. What the hell? <laughs> what the? You know.
2: Yeah, let's just empty the clip. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there was a there was there was a fire seal on it to ammo. Yeah. <laughs> so, think, right. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so. it's,
1: it's interesting though. that's that it's that it's that, it's that mm-hmm. escaping of the, the the white machine, right? Mm-hmm. And how that mm-hmm. even, you know, that was the thing that I kept thinking was you know mm-hmm. it didn't feel like the world of nasa and the astronaut world would be any necessarily less racist than no. the police world right and that extends to him escaping the 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 ship itself in his fantasy the ship itself mm-hmm. he's not in he's floating in space and mm-hmm. eventually st- taking off the the white uh spacesuit you know uh, taking get getting rid of that and I, I mm-hmm. love the, the, the symbolism of that I, I, mm-hmm. I, I love it when uh, when when uh, m- movies like this despite the odds and you know there was no big budget here yeah. and 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 not to in any way defend the producers of this film at all but I could maybe understand them questioning
3: right. why do
1: we need a gigantic telegram? on a brick wall for him to punch through. <laughs> you know, like I could I could understand that from a from as mm-hmm. if they have a certain expectation for it, mm-hmm. but I'm so glad that he persevered mm-hmm. and that he listened to mm-hmm. that actress playing his mom and this is just mm-hmm. a fantastic movie. Um it's great and, and thank you Floyd for for bringing it uh back mm-hmm. out into the open.
2: Yeah, one one last anecdote. Chris's brother was a cop. Mm. And his and Chris's brother was a cop who got killed, and doing this film was sort of a mourning and a homage to his brother, and the actual struggles of his brother being a cop, you know. And I think maybe some of his guilt, in terms of maybe how he treated his brother as a cop. Wow! You know? Yeah. And so, and and that's where the film, that's where the film rises from. You know what I mean? It's there's just you know there it's a mourning, you know. I hear it's, them outside. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's
1: a,
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're coming for you, Floyd.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, man. I'm, hey, downtown Chicago, man. This, is, this yeah. is, you know, this has become really, really, really nuts down here. But yeah, so like you know, so it's like mm-hmm. a blues poem in in the end. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's right. a blues poem in the end.
0: Yeah, you do you feel know, that me. you know it is mm-hmm. an elegaic movie. Mm-hmm. And you don't mm-hmm. necessarily know why, so that yeah, that's explained now, Floyd. Thanks mm-hmm. for that.
2: Now, for the people that are just a little bit too stoned, you need to define like, a
0: <laughs> <laughs> I made him define h Brown, and now I, I got... Uh, it, it's funerary. It's mournful. It's like a wake.
2: There you go. There we go. Yeah. Hey, Greg, uh,
0: what weed would you smoke with this?
1: Well, um, you know... I, what weed, it's more like what weed did I smoke with this. And that is, um, you know, shout out to my daughter, Felina, who's a regular on this show. She did um, leave her apparatus here on her last visit. And so I just smoked her weed, which was a uh, stizzy pod uh, that was a birthday cake flavor. And, you know, you can tell... That uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We both have very chi- childish tastes when it comes to things, and we both love birthday cake. So um, that's uh, that's what I smoked. It is a hybrid. I think that a hybrid is is good. It's not going to uh, make you overly paranoid. Although the film itself might make you a bit paranoid. <laughs> um, so I, I thought I felt that that was very much what I would go for, and what I would recommend is sort of a um, a, a, an Indica-dominant hybrid.
0: So, I went with uh, Alien OG from Kaliva, which which has a 27.8% THC level, which is pretty high, which I think, like, you might want to go with a higher THC level for this movie. And mm-hmm. um, it is it is it is a heavy indica, which I, I'd also recommend for this. I think you want to lean on the indica for this movie. It's not really an up sativa movie, but it does give you like a body rush, like a body high, and it opens uh, the synapses of your brain just right to receive St. John's uh, film here to take in a yes. movie like Top of the Heap. Yeah, it is a heavy indica, and you'll need that to cope with the movie's darker moments, and I do suggest, like, you know, smoking it right before you start the movie or as you start the movie, and then hitting mm-hmm. it again halfway through just to get that rush back. <laughs> like, at the 40-minute mark, 45-minute mark, you should definitely hit the pipe again, folks. And One and-
1: reason that it's a good stoner movie, and I want to give a special uh, uh, shout-out to the amazing editing of this film and the the way that hit the flashbacks there will be just these uh memories that come in just these sharp you know shards uh and they almost penetrate his brain like broken glass and it was very subjective very well done i don't remember seeing a lot of movies of the genre of the era having um, that kind of uh sort of impressionistic or or expressionistic sort of it's very felt and um and i don't know the name of the editor but he did a fantastic job and it is a true stoner film because of him too
0: top of the heap is now streaming on blackness tv go to blackness.tv that's b-l-a-c-k-n-u-s-s dot tv to learn how to start your free trial, it's only like $39.99 a year. There's lots of great stuff in there, like we said, like uh, Treasure of the Ninja. If uh, if you are an old movie Die Hard. You want to see stuff in black and white. There's Mark of the Hawk with Eartha Kit and Sidney Poitier, which I mm. definitely want to check out. Uh, a lot of great stuff in there. So that's blackness.tv. Um, sorry to say this Floyd, but it's also available free with ads on Tubi and it's part of Criterion channels beyond Exploitation series, but check it out on Blackness.
2: We needed support. We're trying, we're we're building up towards doing original content. So we can yes. keep, so we can do original content of this kind of stuff, you know what I mean, to do, you know, some things that are kind of, you know, outside of the pop culture, space.
3: Uh, Voyages to the outer universe a reality. Satellite space stations in operation for landing and refueling. Apparently we have some deadly neighbors now to space. Captain, it's heading toward us. Now, the story of the fantastic adventure that befalls mankind's most daring crew of space explorers. Not a sound. Not even the hum of an insect. Is this a dead planet? Landing on an unknown planet, they are captured by long limbed beauties. When they say, Take me to your leader, and they take them to a creature like this, you know they're on planet Venus. And the queen of outer space is Jaja Gabor. The most talked about woman in the world knows what she wants on Venus too. Then we're the only men on the whole planet? Yes. Wow. You'll see the revolt that brings the planet under the domination of strangely masked females who hate and fear the male animal. Let me kill her now. You're not only a queen, you're a woman too. See your face. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. <coughs> the war of the sexes. When voluptuous Venusians give battle to spacemen from Earth. The destructive might of incredible space rays that stop man from returning to Earth. Prepare for maximum acceleration.
0: After being ensnared by a tractor beam, the plucky crew of a spaceship become the prisoners of a hideously scarred galactic monarch armed with a death ray that is capable of destroying entire planets. Well, this might sound a little familiar. We don't have lightsabers, Wookiees, or cutesy droids here. Instead, <laughs> we've got lunk-headed He-Man astronauts, man-hating space babes with forbidden planet surplus ray guns, and Jaja Gabor in skin-tight lame and chewing the scenery in an over-the-top performance that elevates this sexist claptrap into a camp classic that inspired <laughs> drag shows for years after its 1958 release. This is... Queen of Outer Space. Now, now this movie is is Floyd's choice. This is his fault. And uh, you know, (laughs) there was a point where I'm trying to put this episode together, and I'm like, "Oh, Floyd, it's only on Daily Motion. Can we go with something a little more available?" And then I realize I'm like arguing over film programming with a legendary film programmer, and there's just a point where, (laughs) like, shut up, Bob. Shut up. Just Floyd wants Queen of Outer Space. Floyd gets Queen of Outer Space.
2: Okay queen of outer space. Here's the reason I chose this film. Okay, so I'm living in Mississippi. I am six years old. What is this? Yeah, six, six years old. And um, <laughs> I'm interested in science fiction films, right? And uh, I've been back and forth to Chicago. And back then, early television had lots of science fiction on. Crazy stuff. You know, uh, Commando, Cody, um, I mean, and it was really interesting with all of these, you know, these, um, and they all looked alike too, right? They, they all had this like this, like pulp science fiction cover look,
4: mm-hmm. you know.
2: All all of the spacemen wore these uniforms with the strange shoulders and the little pads on their shoulders and things, you know, uh, the one piece jump, jumpsuit kind of a thing, pr- proto, proto astronaut looking mm-hmm. look, looking looking outfits, and. Um, and the day I saw that film was the thing that always stuck in my mind, right? You know, because I'm in Mississippi, I'm in Sardis, Mississippi, it's a hundred degree day, and I gotta go to you know and I gotta go to the movies and but I've been living in Chicago and I come back down for the summer. And this is three years after Emmett Till. So I'm really restricted in what I can do on a day to day basis. But on Saturday afternoons we go to the movies. That's you know, that's the ritual. In Mississippi, didn't have any television, or if it was, you only had one or two two channels. You know, so movies were a, a thing, and the matinee movie was the best time to go, because you know, you you got these, these like like serials. You know, you would get a serial, a thirty-minute serial, and you get a feature film. You know, and uh, it's like the thing that always. Every time I think about that movie, I think about finding out I couldn't go through the front door, and I had to go around the back. On a 100 degree day at noon on a, on a metal fire escape stairs. I remember how it burned my hands. You couldn't touch, you know, it's like you had to walk straight up because you could feel it through your converses. You know, you, you could feel the heat through your converses as you walked up the stairs. If you touched the wall, the wall was, you could fry an egg on the wall. But when I got through that door, the place that I, re, I was restricted to was the coolest place in the theater. The balcony, next to the air conditioner, <laughs> right? So, and I was just going, and, and, and suddenly I said like, hmm, there's an upside to this, right? And the movie was just like, fascinating, you know? Like I do believe Elon Musk has spent a lot of time watching Queen of Outer Space, right?
4: <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> and because, look at how, to, look at, you, you know, every time, there's a there there's a launch. We get like a big public viewing of the launch every time of it going up and coming down. You, you know these these like these like vertical launches. You know mm-hmm. it's like here we are 60 years later, and spaceships still are still launched the same way, right? Yeah. They're, you, you know. But the, but but the thing that we never imagined was that they would actually land vertically too. And Elon Musk must have seen this movie and said yes i have to solve this problem of how to make uh, how to bring uh, bring the rockets back uh, back to ground without having to go out to uh, go 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 out out to the ocean right
1: and they even look more like a dick
0: now
2: yeah yeah even
0: more more than
2: the 50s one
0: (laughs) the
1: base,
2: yeah way way more way more you know this is the remember spaceships this was the age of fins on spaceships oh yeah you know you know, uh-huh. we didn't we didn't lose the spins on spaceships until Marvel came along, until we saw <laughs> until we saw Galactus. You know, when when uh, when uh, Galactus uh-huh. right. and his minions came to town in the Fantastic Four. Right now uh-huh. we begin to see these these like bits of junkyard hardware spaceships. You know, but up until that, all the all of all of the science fiction books, all of the uh, Superman and Batman things that that had spaceships in it, everything had a fin until. Galactus in mm-hmm. the Fantastic Four, you know. That and, was the uh, style. Yeah, yeah. Big so, fins. You know, yeah, and uh, and that's what it was. Plus, big you know, boobs, the, 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 big the whole fins. thing. And, and, and of course, being a young man, I'm still trying to understand. Like, all these, oh, oh and all Women's Planet. You know, I'm in like pre-puberty at this point. You know, <laughs> know what I mean, like way pre, pe- way pre pre pre-puberty. But uh, you know, but. Uh, but that woman, but Zsa Zsa Gabor in the ant mask, you know, with the little antenna. No, you know no, know, Zsa Zsa's not in the
0: ant mask. She's, uh, Oh,
2: which, which, which one is she? I'm, she I'm She's sorry.
0: like the rebel scientist. She's like the good yeah. Oh, person. yes, but yes, no, I'm sorry. I get, it, I get it. It's it confusing. Sense. Like, I watched the movie twice, kind of like once with it on in the background and once in preparation for this, like in the last two weeks that we were planning the episode. Uh-huh. Um, and... You keep uh, you know writing the copy. I keep wanting to say Jaja Gamor is the queen of outer space. And right, spoiler, right. she only becomes that at the end. Right. But right, throughout, right. The, she's like a scientist, and she's going right. around in mm-hmm. her pearls and her diamonds, yes, like yes, in, her yes, lab, yes, yes, right. in her lab, kind of her lab that's <laughs> yeah. all like this kind of '50s bachelor pad yeah. lab, even though it's all women. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what's crazy is that trope, like that trope of the planet of women, which is usually Venus. Is like, right. I mean, they're It's in so many movies, and they're all. Pre- Was this the, the first? No, Was no, this the no. First uh, cat film? woman of the Moon is from fifty-three. Yeah, okay. Abbott and Costello Go mm. to Mars has this trope where they, right. they, they're they supposed to go to Mars, they end up on Venus, and it's all man-hating oh, babes women, there yeah, uh, right. in skimpy uh-huh. skirts, like you know, um, and they've wiped out all the men, or all the men have Fem- died from Fem- a disease.
2: Feminist, feminist futurism. Yeah, That's what yeah
0: it like uh, uh, male <laughs> anxiety, which is really guiding our Supreme Court right now over <laughs> women not really needing us. Uh, but uh-huh. yeah, there's Catwomen of the Moon, Fire Maidens from Space, Missile to the Moon, and Queen of Outer Space, and uh, there's even a Star Trek episode with this trope in it, which is yeah, Spock's right. brain, which, you know, the mm. men are all these kind of cavemen slaves of these babes in miniskirts. And, you know, they take Spock's brain to run their computer. It's It's considered the worst episode of classic Star Trek. But, I I mean, it's highly entertaining. It's like somehow Ed Wood ghost wrote an episode of Star Trek. (laughs) And I I like Spock's brain. Like, there's way boring episodes of, of Uh especially in season three of original Star Trek, of classic Trek and the original series. And, like, Spock's mm-hmm. Brain is not the worst episode. Spock's Brain is as entertaining as, as Queen of Outer Space. It's just j- space junk. Enjoy it. Um, sex is space junk, but space junk nonetheless. But, yeah, they just kept on doing that. And uh, the director of this, Edward Behrens, um, he's, like, he, he directed another movie like this called World Without End where it's like uh, kind of a Planet of the Apes thing where, where the astronauts, you know, w- come back to the future and uh, civilization is ended and there's nothing mm-hmm. but old men running everything, which this is sounding familiar to. There's nothing but old men running thing and then hot, mm-hmm. hot uh, future babes like are the young women and, of course, the, the spacemen, the square-jawed American spacemen need to, need to show the worth of men to these women um right Right. another bit of trivia too on this movie is it it like has uh it has like a really really big script writing pedigree like you would expect this movie to be day the earth ben hecht Hecht wrote the original treatment for it the original story and it was just this like joke of a thing like, oh, you know, oh those women drivers, am I right? You know, what if they ran the world, you know, and it's this kind of sexist joke he made into a space thing. And then Charles Beaumont wrote the finished script, and he's the same guy who wrote The Intruder from episode one, Roger Corman's clan uh, movie, Roger Corman's uh, statement on racism. In America, mm-hmm. and we did th- We covered that in the very first episode of Old Movies for Young Stoners. And he also wrote some of the best Twilight Zone episodes and wrote the scripts to a few of the Roger Corman Poe, uh, Vincent Price, Edgar Allan Poe movies. I think he wrote the script well, to Pit in the Pendulum. I'm not, I, I don't have his IMDb in front of me. What did
2: Ben Hecht write? Well, well, well everything, Ben, ben, ben Hecht, Well, oh man, ben, ben Hecht wrote uh, this like World War II kind of uh propaganda film to. Encourage uh, black folks to, to uh, join join the uh, military, called the uh, ne- Negro Soldier with uh, Frank Frank Capra. You know? Oh. And, um, yeah, he was yeah he was like really involved in 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 in, in, in civil rights. You know, and in in the twenties, he was like organizing campaigns against Ku Klux Klans. You know, he was he was mm. like you know he was uh, he was he was deeply involved in that with with artists. You know. Um, uh, he he uh, he he wrote this thing about Burt Williams, this this uh, this black vaudevillian and uh, silent 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 film actor. You know he was he was really really involved in in, in like human rights and uh, and and he was a Jewish activist. He was you know he was like uh, he he became a large part of the American Zionist movement. You know and um, uh, it's it, it, and he least, wrote this crap.
0: Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. You know? No. It's even crazier than that. Like, there's not a script from the golden age of Hollywood from the 30s the and 40s. The front page. That, you got to do the front page. Yeah. The man. front page yeah. is like what what I mean, yeah. he's best known for. But everything from Gone with the Wind, The Sun Also mm-hmm. Rises. Hitchcock's mm. Rope. I mean, he wrote, He it passed through his hands and he either punched up the dialogue or wrote a draft of it. He wrote the yeah. script to uh, His Girl Friday, which of course is also uh, a remake of the front page. He worked a lot with Howard Hawks. He worked a lot with Hitchcock. Yeah. He wrote the script to Notorious. Yeah. He worked a lot wow. with David O. Selznick, so... He mm. also like um, Gone with the Wind, you know, he's like I think he's credited on Gone with the Wind. Yeah. And, he, uh, you know, for for amazing. better or worse. So, so yeah, he was and, and Queen from outer space and Queen,
1: yeah, yeah. Queen, and, Queen of outer and, space.
2: And, and let's not forget, he was a war correspondent in Berlin working for the Daily News. He was in Chicago for a while. Right. Wow. And, um, you know, he I mean, he has such a I mean, he had such what a wide experience as a writer right you know, but but that uh it, and it's especially seeing how how deeply involved in in civil rights and in um, uh and and all of this ag- all of, all of the social justice uh activism um, right it's interesting he would write queen of outer space but hey you, what do you do for money <laughs> you yeah you know what total, i mean what, what and, is, what and it,
1: it, this must have been enough of a trope uh, yeah. uh, for the, the the female planet to inspire the parody film that i remember which is amazon women on the moon which came out in the 80s and i think was a john landis movie um mm-hmm. and and had starred a lot of people uh it's it's got the you know it's amazon women on the moon and it and it's mm-hmm. uh probably uses some of the same ben Heck lines in it you know and also has a, I believe a cameo by russ meyer Uh, in there as well Ooh,
0: yeah yeah the (laughs) Landis thing it also has uh, William uh, Blackula Marshall and like he's one of the video pirates and it's like oh a bounty of laser discs (laughs) yeah like he (laughs) Uh, he leads the video pirates and it's on
1: the high seas oh man
2: and there's a movie based on his life called Gaily Gaily that was directed by Norman Jewison in 1969 and starring Bo Bridges, which I've never uh, seen. Oh,
0: he, Ben Hecht. You know? Yeah, he directed and wrote like a movie that when it's available will definitely be on old movies for young stoners called Specter of the Rose. And yeah. it's this weird ballet noir and all the dialogue. Yeah. Like, it's like... it's He would write these movies like Spectre of the Rose from 46. Oh. Like, he would write these... Mo- That's like a movie where he's unleashed because he's usually, like, punching up scripts for Selznick or Hawks or somebody, sometimes getting credit. He's co-writing it. This is like... You know, he had this big name because people... Even the stuff he's not credited on, people knew. And, I mean, the stuff he is credited on, he he wrote co-wrote the adaptation of Wuthering Heights... Uh, Gunga it. Din. I mean, it just goes on. Like like I said, almost every movie from the golden age of Hollywood, Ben Hecht has his fingerprints on it. And at some point, yeah. somebody said, Ben, why don't you work on this? And, you know, so <laughs> I, I mean, just a towering figure, uh, script writing figure, for, for better Amazing. and worse, uh, you know, considering Gone with the Wind. But um, yeah, Specter of the Rose. It's like this weird vampire noir. They talk. There's a lot of dialogue about vampires mm. in it, and it's just mm-hmm. really trippy and weird and bizarre. You know, like was I said, that it's, shown on Noir Alley? I don't think Eddie's ever shown it. I talked to oh, him yeah. about it, and the reason I know, you know, the, what led me to that movie was it's a it's in my book Murders That Made Us. Is there was that flower grower in the '40s who was um, he was like butchered up and left in flower boxes uh behind the paramount theater in san francisco and it was showing specter of the rose and there's even a herb game column which herb Kane was like our uh our big columnist in san francisco back in, through the 90s really yeah it's uh, your studs your studs yeah or uh, yeah. what is what is what's the guy in chicago who called jerry brown uh governor moonbeam floyd the big columnist that, there uh,
2: Oh uh, oh my god um Royco.
0: he was like our Mike, version of Mike uh, Royko. Royko
2: um Mike Royko he
0: even wrote about it like the irony of it that oh yeah he was he was left chopped up behind the theater showing uh the guy whose name was uh he was called Spanny Lopez and uh
2: he was he was he was chopped up behind substitute. The they thing chopped thing him up
0: and <laughs> put him in the uh, boxes that he shipped his carnations in, or they shipped roses. They in. said the
2: same thing happened to Countdown team, man. Eh?
0: <laughs> so he's left there with Spectre of the Roses playing. So I write about it in my book. Uh, the movie mm-hmm. is trippy and weird, and it's just it's got this in San Francisco anyway in the forties. It's got this very very dark well. history behind it. Um, mm. But yeah yeah heck wow. but heck and then the finished script is by Beaumont who wrote the how. Man, which is one of the best episodes of the original Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. and uh, number yeah. 12 looks just like you, and yeah. we talked about yeah. him a lot because he wrote The Intruder with Shatner, the uh, Shatner racist drama, where yeah. Shatner, you know, so we talked about that um. in episode one, so this movie should be... By the script writing talent should be Forbidden Planet or, or um, <laughs> Day of the Earth Stood Still, but it's Queen of Outer Space. And that might be because Edward, <laughs> Edward Barrons we were talking about him. He directed Bowery Boys Meet the Monsters, Three Stooges Meet Hercules. He directed oh, a great. shit ton of Stooges shorts. You know, uh-huh. a lot of them was Shemp, a lot of the Shemp episodes, he got an Oscar nomination for the Bowery Boys movie High Society, and that was accidental because it came out uh, right before the big Crosby Grace Kelly movie High Society. So somebody at the Academy <laughs> fucked up and sent this guy the, uh, the Oscar <laughs> nomination certificate. Like for this Bowery Boys oh movie. So God. so that movie, at least for a while till they rescinded it, you know, it's like Hunts Hall and Skip Gorsey, like Leo Gorsey running around like throwing pies at matrons, society matrons or whatever the hell happens <laughs> in it. I, I mean yeah, this guy like I I mean Queen of Outer Space really is a stooges short that's taken where everybody's taking it seriously. Like right. uh like uh Gil <laughs> Favor, um uh, Clint Eastwood's boss from Rawhide is the captain of the spacemen, and he they're all very serious, but it ends, it has a very Stooges short ending, I mean it totally ends like a Stooge short, and I'm going to say this before I turn it back to you guys, I've, I've talked too much, but uh, it's probably the only movie that it would be, women would like it more with the Stooges in it. <laughs> you know, it would actually it's its rating with feminists would improve if the Stooges showed up. I, I am I am uh uh regretful that Felina couldn't make it. Uh you oh, know, or we're yeah. missing Felina here because she would definitely be giving us the stink eye right now. The stink eye would be oh. on all well, of us men for watching this movie and promoting it.
1: She she might not remember it, but we did watch this when she was probably Fifteen, you know, or sixteen years old. We did watch this movie. It came on TCM or something, and, and right. we watched it. And she was very critical of the of the <laughs> of the sexism in the film at the time.
2: It's like, yeah, nineteen fifties. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's exactly. Nineteen fifties. But you know, it, uh, Ben yeah. Heck, So I found Ben Heck's autobiography uh, free online at at, at ar- archive.org, Right child of the century yeah i you know, see you put it in the
1: in the yeah, chat yeah yeah yeah,
2: yeah it, but it's 600 pages so watch out
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i mean he, Stephen king write it <laughs> <laughs> you know? well i mean he did work on like so many movies and yeah, for every yeah, studio mean, he wasn't just one of those guys grinding yeah. out at warner brothers or rko he was everybody wanted this guy and mm-hmm i mean yeah. he's got uh let's see he i know w- the
1: name i just wasn't i wasn't aware of him that much uh i've definitely <laughs> heard the heard the name though yeah and uh, the the fact that he if he if he i mean if he wrote on everything i guess that includes queen of outer space you and know, the
0: outlaw greg we, he's got uncredited on the outlaw the mm. you know another weird weird sex kind of sexist film um yeah, uh, any any thoughts wow. on on Queen of Outer Space, Greg, and its kind of Stooges DNA? <laughs> oh no, I just find it
1: I just find it entertaining, and there's a lot of movies like this where um, it's just as entertaining with the sound down and putting on a record. You know, it's just as good. I don't know, maybe I'm missing out on the g- sparkling Ben Hecht dialogue, but. Uh, you know, I, I I just love the visuals of this. You know, it's classic mid-century modern aesthetic. You know, it's um, of course all the the women are gorgeous. They are the human actress equivalent of those giant fin cars, and uh, you know they're got great you know uh, um, structural integrity you know to those outfits and uh you know things were were built to last back then you know um <laughs> lots, of, <laughs> lots yes. of
0: funny jaeger pinups running around with ray guns uh um, yeah you know like benny, page not, uh, looking, yeah. benny page looking Betty page looking gals oh uh, what I mean,
1: other you know, that's
2: you? you guys didn't mention dave dave will uh, dave willock man dave willock was in some uh, another chicago guy too right oh yeah And, uh, yeah, he was real famous when I was a kid for this. He had a a series where he had a bunch of monkeys. He was like, uh, he had a bunch of monkeys living in his house. I remember (laughs) that face, man. You know, I mean, there's some strange characters here. So he's from Chicago, you know, born in 1909, you know, and did theater here, but did a lot of television, man. He was uh, like... uh, um, what else? What else did he do? He was on the Jack Carson show, if anybody remembers that. I know, I, I don't. don't. <laughs> that's, that's my, it, yeah. It was it was from nineteen forty three to nineteen forty nine, right? Okay. But uh, but he did you know all of these comedy things. I mean, he um, there was this like st- this group of stock actors in like early early television. Like I didn't get introduced to television until no, 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 no.
3: <laughs> but it was it was way before you guys. It was
2: like in the, but I remember we had our, our little. You know our our little vacuum tube tele- television right. uh, with the with the with the with the 15 inch screen right that only came in that only came on after six o'clock, and right. uh, and uh, you know and it went off at 12:30 with with the Indian head uh, test pattern yes you know <laughs> after 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 after, uh, after the national anthem and they fitted. As much stuff in there uh, as much stuff in there as they could between six and midnight, but it was on all day you know everything from bozo but this is this is how I got introduced to like media was through early television, which was way better than television now because we had there was less space for a bunch of shit <laughs> so you know um, so they were they were like very careful but uh, but um, I, I was trying to find the name of the of the uh, TV series that he was on with these monkeys.
1: With the monkeys, well, I know with there's the a monkeys. Yeah, there is a, uh, a monkey featured very prominently in the parody and uh, the Amazon women on the moon parody. There's a, a a pet monkey that um, the kind of goofy Italian uh, member of the crew has who wears a little space suit. It's a monkey in yeah. little tiny spaces. I think that's, <laughs> like,
0: there's a George Powell movie, Conquest of Space, with, like, lunk-headed 50s guys and a Brooklynese guy going yeah. into space. And I think there's a monkey in that movie. And there's one in jo- oh, that's uh, they- Robinson Crusoe on Mars that movie <laughs> yeah there, there's
2: Robinson Crusoe on Mars yeah. that was hey that's what about that was one of my favorite matinee films too yeah
0: yeah mm. I, I haven't watched it in years but uh another thing about the movies with uh planets of beautiful space babes whether it's the moon or Venus is they always have a guy getting attacked in a cave by a really unconvincing spider missile of the moon missile to the moon cat mm. women of the moon um queen of outer space there is a there's a fake spider attacking somebody um right it's just a it's part of it's like okay we got a planet of space babes but there's deadly spiders and that the thought is i think for the men is that the spiders the sight of the spiders will drive the space babes back into the men's arms which mm-hmm. which is the, what see. the hope is psychologically in Ben Hecht and Charles Beaumont's minds and the other people who wrote this crap over and over <laughs> again. Um, it is, is, that,
1: is that sort of a metaphor as well to, like, getting, you know, uh, trapped in a web, you know, or something? Is there some kind of, like, a, um, anti-female panic kind of buried
0: in there? There probably is, and, you know, or... They had a spider puppet, a big, big spider, and they just needed to reuse it over and over again. Like, oh, we made a bunch of mock-ups for Tarantula, and Clint Eastwood only napalmed one of them, so, well, we're going to just keep you throwing this. We're going to have a bunch of stagehands standing behind us behind a styrofoam rock, and they're going to throw this spider at a guy, and yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, this is a movie why Stanley Kubrick uh, destroyed all the props of 2001. Because ah. in 1956, Forbidden Planet, uh, they made Forbidden Planet, and then Robbie the Robot and those ray guns and those, those spacesuits, the uniforms. They mm. just turn up in, in these kind of crappier and crappier movies, and these, these B and Z movies. And that was MGM for, you know, v- Forbidden Planet was MGM's big sci-fi epic of the 50s. And they just rented out the costumes later or sold them to Western Costume. Right. And the, the props turn up in Twilight Zone episodes and Lost in Space episodes. So when Kubrick made Smart. 2001 for MGM, he's like, I don't want Roger Corman getting a hold of of this, these spaceships. <laughs> so he just had them all destroyed. And that's why when you go to the Kubrick exhibit, it was up here in San Francisco and it was down there mm-hmm. in LA. You want to see those yeah. ships, but they had to recreate all that stuff for 2010, 2010, because he 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 destroyed it. He was like he knew that if he let MGM just hang on to it, that they were just going to rent it out to, you know, Battle Beyond the Stars and crap from the seventies <laughs> and eighties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's oh. smart. Yeah, all those yeah. cool spacesuits that he had made were just going to turn up and. You know, I don't know mm. what. You know, he was just, yeah. He he knew Roger. Corbin. Roger.
2: Cor- Roger Corman would have made good use of. He would
0: have. They they would have been he okay. Made good use. Some of yeah. my favorite movies would have had some of those <laughs> reused props. But yeah, he sure. he yeah. saw what they yeah. did with Forbidden Planet over there and the respect they had for it. He's just like, nope, not for me. But uh, Greg, what kind of weed would you smoke to get you in the mood for Queen of Outer Space?
1: Uh. I think a, I think a, 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 I would recommend. I don't I don't remember what weed I smoked back in the day when I saw this, but I would definitely recommend a strong, a strong um, indica heavy uh, weed. Something like you just want to melt into the couch and let the 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 beauty of the sets, the beauty of Jaja, the horror of sexism everything just wash all over you and not think too much about it. You know, I think that's really the key to, to, uh, <laughs> to, to enjoying a, a stone screening of queen of outer space.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, there, there is one thing I, before I get into my weed recommendations, which are in conflict yeah. with yours a little bit, but okay. uh, we didn't talk too much about Shaja, which I mean, she, we should talk about her a little bit more and, mm-hmm. you know, preparing for Felina, to be in this episode, I read like a book about the Gabor's, and I read Jaja's Zsa autobiography. And oh, the one wow. thing, like, uh, do I have it here? Finding Jaja by Samstag. And I think he might be—he might be a homosexual man. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> but he's written I books about all about Eve tell. and Sunset Boulevard, but he Probably. makes the case for this as like you know it's this camp classic, and like at least in the gay Gee. male community, you know there's those screenings of oh, it yeah. at the Castro in the '90s, and and also the influence on drag shows. Zsa Zsa's like a very very. Uh, key figure Huge. in drag shows and like I just kind of like oh yeah you know watching it as straight guys you know it's just we think of camp as just haha it's funny and don't think about that gay aspect to it and mm-hmm. uh so so my weed recommendation I I'm saying go sativa and that's, be, that's okay. partially because that's all there was in the 80s when I would watch these movies on uh-huh. on Cinemax or that's fair TMT so um for Queen of Outer Space for the queen, you need a royal strain of weed, so I went with royal <laughs> cherry diesel by key. That's royal cherry diesel by key. I said it again because Greg's laughing at my lines, which is a good thing. <laughs> um, it, it is a hybrid weed strain, but it seems to be sativa dominant to me because when I smoke it and watch Queen of Outer Space, I giggle through the whole thing at the inane dialogue, at Zha sure. coming out going, I hate that Queen, which was like the big laugh line (laughs) in gay kind of gay themed screenings of this Uh, you know it it gives me that kind of like you know i want to i want to watch this shit and laugh through the whole thing so uh don't smoke the brain damage weed for top of the heap you need to damage your brain for top of the heap like that was different this only (laughs) has a 21 (laughs) percent thc level but yeah you'll want a weed that will make you laugh for jaja folks and the royal cherry diesel is the one i went with I mean, you really can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, just be stoned. Uh, just you know? be stoned. Yeah. <laughs> you. It, that's.
1: It's kind of a prerequisite. Like, what you don't want is to be steely-eyed and sober watching Queen of Outer Space. You. That is, that
0: is a bad scenario. You know, there's an argument to be made, too, for, like, you know... I I bet they did smoke some jazz cigarettes writing and producing this film, <laughs> but maybe they didn't. Maybe maybe we should just be going with like some some booze. Maybe like some Smirnoff vodka. You know, I know the you kids out there listening. If you youngins, you 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 uh, millennials and younger are listening, that you like your fancy bourbon. You like your bourbon that costs eighty dollars a bottle, and that's what and their tequila that costs eighty dollars a bottle. But I'd say go with go with Beam on the Rocks for this or smear it off on the rocks if you're more of a vodka person you know so i i but you know if you're gonna if you're gonna hit the hooch for this you got to have a few people around you got to all be as, oh yeah you got to all be as drunk as director edward Barnes when he was filming this movie
4: <laughs> and and
0: you know just you got to hear the ice clinking in the glasses from everybody uh-huh. and waiting for zha zha to come and to steal the show so there's an argument for just getting yeah. wasted like fifties people
3: and smoking <laughs>
0: yeah. smoking Marlboros and <laughs> you know just yeah, exactly. just drinking straight fucking booze out of the Cuddy bottle. Cuddy Sark. Cuddy, yeah, cu- Cuddy. It's a Cuddy movie. <laughs> um, you know, Cuddy, <laughs> Cuddy Sark has a ship on it. You're taking a you're taking a perilous journey into space. You should uh, drink a perilous scotch, a mid shelf, low shelf <laughs> scotch. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Rosie, come here, come here, say that. We gotta get Rosie's got a recommendation. Oh. Just a second. Hi,
2: Rosie. Hey. Hey, Rosie. Champagne, darling. Champagne. <laughs> <laughs> Must be Smart. Doing, Rosie? <laughs> yes. <Okay. laughs>
0: yes. There you go. Champagne. Yeah, <laughs> if you're smoking weed, watching Queen of Outer Space. Definitely uh, mm-hmm. pop the cork on a bottle of Moet while you're doing it for Zsa Zsa. <laughs> Pour one out for, for Zsa She slapped yeah, a cop. Yeah. How can we not talk Andrew? about it? She slapped an LA cop and parlayed it into a book deal.
2: Yeah. 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 I, mean, I she's mean, that's
1: pretty iconic. Fuck the police. <laughs> <Zsa-Za forever.
2: laughs> that's right. okay. Zsa Zsa forever. Zsa Zsa a riding Gangster, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: She knew <laughs> okay. all cops are bastards.
2: Yeah. But hey, one 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 more thing. Right? Yeah, one more thing. The number of women, the, the number of women in this film, right? The number of women standing around. It's, it looks like it's a producer. Some producer made a deal, right? To, for a promise he made for, I'm gonna get you in the movies, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This was it. This was the one, right? Oh, it's yeah. like because I was sitting there going like All these women stand around in Hollywood. Wait, they don't make this many movies with, with with this many women. I'd never seen a movie with that many women in it, right?
0: Oh man, I, that's You're true. You're so right. It is like the casting couch <laughs> horror show. Like they all think they're going to be Jaja. They end up saying Banchino, Banchino with their Forbidden Planet ray guns <laughs> at the guy who was Clint Eastwood's boss and Rawhide, and you know, yeah, oh, yeah. Man.
2: will Favor, that's right. Gil oh, Favor.
0: Yeah. Eric Fleming was his name. Mm-hmm. I read Jaja's yeah, book, right. hoping that she had an affair with him and would say how crappy he was in bed. That's really what I was looking for there. She, uh, she just said he was he was a professional <laughs> you know
2: <laughs> you know was, tell me so was this the only like lead role she had in films did she have a lead no role in she, any she's, other she's films? in
0: uh she's in moulin rouge i think like in the nicole kidman part from the baz Luhrmann one she's she got great notices for moulin rouge uh john houston directed i think uh is peter cushing in that um i think peter cushing mm-hmm. has a role in that um she she okay. uh, she does have some decent film parts and uh, but she started like her sister uh, Ava Gabor was like a hit on Broadway and was in some plays mm-hmm. on Broadway and Green Acres yeah later <laughs> Green Acres. But Jaja was like she was married to George Sanders, who plays like this frightful cad in so many 40s and 50s films. And uh, I think Ava also married George Sanders, so he really was that guy. and oh, he, wow! He was kind wow. of like mentally <laughs> abusive to Jaja, like always just leaving her at home while he goes and films a movie. It wouldn't take take you know he's off in England, and then his brother. God, what was his brother's name? He wasn't Sanders because they didn't want ever the world to know they were brothers. He was a cat people. Sorry. Um, never. Anyway, his brother was like on some show called like The Bachelor's Corner, which was this kind of reality call-in show where people would ask for relationship advice. And uh, mm-hmm. he, they must have been taping on the 4th of July weekend because mm-hmm. uh, he needed somebody to fill in. And he called Jaja, who was just sitting in their mansion in Beverly Hills alone doing nothing, buying diamonds on credit. And uh, she <laughs> She showed up and she was just jajaing all over it, and she became a huge hit on the show because she was just mm. giving her, you know, oh darling, you know, how, right. you know, you you should make your man buy you pearls. I mean, she probably sold a lot of jewels around the world, which was how so, the Gabor family got its money in hu- Hungary. You know, was uh, they had some right. time so Bob, in selling business. So Bob,
2: she was in Nightmare on Elm Street three. Really.
0: <laughs> Oh, Dream Warriors! She's in fucking Dream Warriors. She's in Dream Warriors, dude. Yeah. I need to watch yeah. Dream Warriors again. <laughs> That's my favorite is, one is, too, and it's probably because Jaja's Zsa in it, and I just kind of forgot. Isn't she in Touch of Evil too? <sighs> oh, you know, is that
1: Jaja?
2: I think or she Ava? is.
0: Let's. Uh, maybe I think she's, maybe I think she's maybe in was Touch Ava. of
2: Evil. Um. No, I don't remember. maybe maybe that was Ava.
0: Yeah, that's the uh, problem is you could start to we're in a danger so right. there's also Magda's running around. So yeah. Magda
2: yeah, the the war sisters there they were they were like uh they they were like the Cardassians before the Cardassians. They though. they <laughs> totally
0: were. And they were you know, they were yeah. almost, they were kind of more entertaining. You know, they also fled Nazi they're Germany. They more talented. Yeah, um and they slapped cops and yeah. uh is she in touch of evil? <laughs> Let me. I'm just gonna do this.
2: Uh, I'm looking at. I'm, yes, she, I'm, I'm, is I'm looking at she is in touch she of evil.
0: She is in touch
2: of evil. She is in touch of evil. Yeah. Really? Hold on.
0: Yeah. But
2: I'm sitting here at the And that nice. would have I'm been after.
1: That would have been after Queen from Outer Space. No, no, club. It was the she year was, before.
0: I think, or, or the, the year
2: same year, maybe she the same year. She's a, a strip club owner.
0: Yeah, that's right.
2: Interesting. Oh,
0: same year as Queen of Outer Space. So she's like, she's in...
2: So she was on a roll that year, huh? She was on a roll. And
0: uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, she started in television as just giving this kind of inane uh, relationship advice. And people just thought she was hilarious. And so that launched her into a movie career. And Ava was coming up at the time. There's a lot of sibling rivalry there between the Gabor sisters. Because there's also Magda, Mm -hmm. who's kind of the forgotten Gabor. Um mm-hmm. yeah but yeah they were just kind of tearing yeah. it up. But yeah exploits right. They were Magda. They were the um the uh Gabor sisters they were the Kardashians. Uh, reading Shah mm-hmm. Shah's autobiography which is in the living room and I'm not going to go get it. But mm-hmm. that autobiography from the 90s is like it reads like Stan Lee was her ghostwriter. I swear <laughs> to God, <laughs> like she's, she's like, I have I have the blood of Attila the Hun and Genghis Khan flowing through my veins. Like there there's parts of it I read I read parts of it to Rosie, and I'm like, you know, is this an autobiography is this a memoir or is this a wrestling promo like she's just <laughs> like boasting about it like I I can only hope Ric Flair read it for ideas because like she's just boasting about her diamonds her big w- I mean oh, it's, it's like wow. almost an influence on hip hop that thing I mean hip hop was wow, already hey. happening, but she's just talking about her champagne, her diamonds, her mansion. It is it's it, it is worth a read, the autobiography. Well, Bob,
2: let's let's look at the rest of her filmography. Tattoo Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Hills, nineteen ninety five. Oh man. Oh, no. <laughs> the Beverly Hillbillies on television, right? The okay. Fresh Prince of Bel Air, nineteen ninety
0: one. Frankenstein wow. Frankenstein's, Gut- Frankenstein's great aunt Tilly from nineteen eighty four.
2: Yeah, the naked gun two and a half. The yes. to today, right? Christmas she slapped Pee Wee. Uh, she wait. slapped Christmas cop
0: in that. Oh God, <laughs> yeah, <naked> yeah. <laughs> right.
2: Christmas at Pee Wee's Playhouse, eighty eight, of course.
0: Dude, yeah, she's <laughs> just she's just amazing. I mean, this is like a two hour epic uh, old movies for young stoners with less people. Uh, let me let me get the uh, fodder all out of the way, folks uh clean of outer space is available on daily motion and you can rent it from prime for 2.99 let me let me say that one more time uh hey floyd thank you so much for being on the show it, it's hey, been a trip this man is fun. like this is fun thanks man even
2: though I, even though i'm not stoned, yeah no no fun.
0: greg said no, he's, he's, <laughs> i'm stoned enough for both of us yeah, oh, right. yeah greg, greg asked like he's he's he smokes weed right he's gonna have weed recommendations and i'm like no, Floyd doesn't smoke weed. He just sounds stoned. he does
1: <laughs> no He just, just
0: sounds stoned. I mean, or, <laughs> no. or talking to Floyd no, no, no. for an hour. I've and been, a half. I've been
2: stoned. I've been stoned off that first joint, that first Vietnamese dusty joint I had in night when I was twelve, oh, living in the man. projects. Yeah. <laughs> I never, I never recovered from it, man. I said there I don't need go. to do another joint in life. <laughs> <laughs> that was that. Hey, that was before the skunk, the skunk smelling stuff, man. That you right. can smell nothing like driving down the expressway sixty miles an hour and a car passes you and sits in front of you for two minutes and the odor lingers for half an hour. <laughs>
0: Yes, Dude, I want <laughs> exactly. to. I want to know about this Vietnamese dusted weed now, though. Oh man, it, ca- it came.
2: It came into the projects in a duffel bag of somebody just returning. You know, right. who Was in who was in what? Who was in that that ultra in that ultra? That uh, that M- ver- the very first years. MK uh, Ultra. Yeah, man. Yeah, he, so he you were smoking some CIA that. shit. I was, well, I don't know if I don't know if it was CIA, but all I know is a guy brought it back, and they made me do it. And uh, I remember a, seeing a CTA bus turn into a green caterpillar, and I went home Whoa. and got up under the bed, got up under the bed, man, and it said, "I'm never touching herb again in life." Wow, you know, and that probably saved my life. <laughs> oh
0: man, wow. I I you want know, the weed that turns this because
2: for the rest of my life, and I was surrounded by people doing doing all kinds of crazy, you know, the craziest, the craziest, craziest narcotics and having the most crazy experiences. I'd be the only, I'd be the only, uh, sober person in the room, but, but hey, I kept us out of trouble though. You
0: know? Well, somebody's wow. got to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I know that role mm-hmm. very well, uh, during these tapings, but Hey, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Floyd again, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Blackness TV. Uh, B-L-A-C-K-N-U-S-S dot TV, Blackness Network. It's less than forty bucks for a year if you sign up for a year for their streaming service. They're doing some great things, making some great movies yeah. available like Top of the Heat. Three ninety nine a month. Three ninety nine a month, yeah, you three know.
2: Nine, hey, just out of curiosity, three ninety nine. Yeah. Hey, you can come back later, you know, as we grow. Yeah,
0: you know, watch it, watch right. everything on it. Watch yeah, uh, And
2: and then yeah. You know, I know he's
0: with, working on getting Shallon Dolomite on there and you know, I mean that's yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean that's yeah. enough for three ninety nine. <laughs> right uh that's an old movie for young stoners and you know uh, yeah. and he's got uh, some other space movies assignment outer space for spaceship yeah, on venus yeah uh, uh,
2: we're going to be doing a little documentary about thomas thomas Tr- Tr- tramell the guy who's in uh who was in 13 kung fu movies chicago guy yeah learn wow. martial art learn martial arts at the movies
0: oh that's right yeah well let's let's save that for a future episode Floyd. okay like maybe okay. at some point we'll pair manchurian candidate okay. With its no uh, Henry Silva and Frank karate chopping furniture, and then we'll have uh, Black Dolomite <laughs> or, or uh, Treasure of the Ninja on there. Uh, you know, uh, we'll, we're taking a little bit of a break here. Uh, we'll be back in August, and I have no idea what we're going to be showing or talking about that. Corey and Felina will be back then, too. Uh, but I've got some ideas. So... Uh, maybe we'll do a musical episode uh, there's a lot of great stuff that's just hit Criterion and HBO Max So I'm mm. kind of thinking of On the Town with mania like a musical episode uh, lots of dicks in that last one uh, <laughs> uh, also Jeff a plas- Bezos should
1: watch that movie
0: yeah oh that's <laughs>
1: definitely um,
0: <laughs> maybe a plastic surgery episode with uh, Dark Passage and Seconds which are on those services or I, st- mm. I still want to do the Gorilla episode episode with king kong and some of the innate gorilla movies on prime i mean there are all kinds of things hey you know you've got about a month why don't you tell me on twitter at om 4 why stoners you know what you want to see out there folks i we're open to ideas we'll see you back again on old movies for young stoners, stoners.